0: This morning what I've named it is prepare to receive now most of you maybe not Justin we all have had those old-time radios you know where you messed with it to get in the frequency so that you could have reception right so we have news and have information and the same thing I don't know any of you that have dish we have dish and spectrum Out in New Mexico, they have something called the VLA. It's the Very Large Array, is what it's called. And they are these huge disks like that, only they're like huge, (laughs) tall, and they're on a rail. I don't know how long the rail is, but they can move just a little bit on the stand. Okay, so these big things are up like this, and and they are huge. I mean, we look like an ant in front of one of those, and there's like 27 of them, and they're... Out in the desert, and what they are doing, they're radio frequencies, and they can move this way and they move this way. And each one of them has an area looking up in the heavenlies, and they have radio frequencies because every star, every galaxy, the planets, there's gases being emitted, and the the scientists use that for all kinds of information. I'm not sure exactly what, but that's as scientific as I'm going today. But my point is, there's frequencies, there's frequencies to the stars, and and we can hear it. And the cool thing is, is that our Father God, He is pouring out His Word to us all the time. But are we tuned in? (laughs) And so today, that's, what I wanna talk about is tweaking our frequency to hear what the Lord is telling us. Preparing to receive. We prepare to hear, to believe, to receive. For when we hear, we believe and we receive. We hear the word, we believe the word, we receive the word, we prepare to receive. For example, at first I thought about (laughs) preparing and it made me think about a song that we used to do, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Fred and I used to do this song, and it made me think of John the Baptist. And it's like, well, we've already been there, Lord. You know, sometimes you hear something, you go, hmm. But I started thinking about, you know, preparing. You know, a new couple, they're expecting a baby. They're preparing. They're preparing to get ready for it. I thought about the people in the southeast, the Floridians. You know, a hurricane is coming. They're preparing their homes to be safe. Or even us, you know, we get a weather report. (laughs) You know, and it's going to be bad. I mean, you go down to the store and, you know, they're pulling, people are pulling things out, preparing. And then I thought about, well, remember when it was time for the Passover meal? And Jesus told Peter and John to go and make preparations for the Passover. And of course, we would say something like communion. We have communion with bread and juice, but we also have communion with our Father daily hearing his voice, preparing to hear his voice. So in this preparation, I decided the first thing I needed to do was to look up what prepare meant. In the Old Testament, the Greek for prepare meant to do, to make, to turn, to face. And in the New Testament, it said prepare meant to prepare thoroughly or to create. And then I went to the regular 1828 Webster's Dictionary, and it said to make all things ready, to put things in suitable order, or to make oneself ready. And then I went to receive, and for some reason I only did the Greek word, but it meant to receive, to take, to get hold of. We all want to receive everything God has for us, right? Again, the Webster said to take as a thing offered or sent, to accept, to take or obtain from another in any manner— either good or evil, to take as a thing communicated, to embrace, to allow, to hold, to retain, to admit, to take in or on, to hold, to contain, to be endowed with like you shall receive power to believe in. It's like, oh, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) I wanna receive all those. I wanna take it in to me. So uh, then I decided, well, it's the Christmas season. I'm gonna go to the book of Luke. So I went to Luke 1. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled. And another version said, have been most surely believed. Oh my gosh, I love that. Draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled, have been most surely believed among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully invested everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Claudette, (laughs) most excellent David. (laughs) I like to put my names in there, see, so just checking. (laughs) Uh, He said, most excellent Theophilus, but we could have another Ophilus. (laughs) So that you may what? So that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So I kind of went back to that most surely believe, and I, I looked up what believe meant. Believe means to build up or support, to be firm or faithful, to trust or believe, to be permanent or quiet. I like quiet. At first I was like, what? Quiet? But don't we rest? Isn't that what we're doing now? By grace, we're resting in Jesus? To be quiet, to be true or certain, to go to the right hand. Hence, it meant assurance to believe. Well, that made me think of something you've already heard this morning Romans 10, verse 8 through 10. The word is near you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. That if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and you believe where? In your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So then, you know, I'm I'm looking back 1 through 4 and it says, so that you may know the certainty. Certainty. I just wanted to look that up because the last time, which wasn't that far back, I had shared Ephesians 6 verse 10. It's where it says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you can stand or we can stand our ground. And after we have done everything, we stand. And then it says, we stand therefore. Four times we're standing. But when I looked up that word, therefore, it meant to stand certainly. And certain, it's the same word, certainty, certainly. And it's like when we have done, when we have prayed and asked and believed, we have it. And that's where we are fighting from victory, not for our victory. We already have our victory. And you know what? We have on what? The belt of truth. We have on the breastplate of righteousness. We have our feet shod with the shoes of peace. We're walking in the gospel of peace. We have the sword of the spirit. We have the shield of faith and we have our helmet of salvation. In Luke 1, verse 5, it said, Prepare to receive. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. Zechariah means God has remembered. You know, God has meaning in all these little things, so God has remembered. He belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron, and both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. This is under the old covenant. This is under the law. That's how God saw them, righteous and blameless, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. As I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, Sarah was old. There were several old ladies, you know, and they were unable to conceive. And I started thinking about that and what we've been doing in Bible study. And, you know, when you're married to Mr. Law, there's not much fruit coming forth. I just wonder that was just one thing I thought, hmm, but we have grace to receive going on. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. In other words, it was his time to go in to be the one that was praying and the one that was interceding for the people. And it doesn't say this, but I'm pretty sure that that would be the Holy of Holies. And there's only one person goes in then. Okay, so here was Zechariah. He was in a position that God put him in for that particular time because God had remembered his people. And as the priest was good, so the country would have another year of good or bad. And so that's why the next sentence says, And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. They were wondering whether everything was going to be okay. But now we have Jesus, our perfect priest, we believe. Anyway, going on, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense, and when Zechariah saw him, he was startled, and he was gripped with fear. Now, he was old, so he'd probably done this for a while. So, okay, he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. His brain is probably going, John! When I have a son, if I have a son, I'm going to name him Zech, just like all the other people do. They name their sons. But here the angels are saying, you're going to call him John. John means what? Do you guys remember what John? It says, God has been gracious. John means God has been gracious. God has shown favor. The angel continues and says he will be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. I was like what? I forgot that. Here's the angel saying he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared, prepared for the Lord. Wow, what a download from God. (laughs) But Zechariah asked the angel, well, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well long in years. And of course, I'm reading it going, Zechariah, what in the world are you doing? You're in the most high position. God has put you in a position, and you're looking at yourself? You know, we can be so righteous when reading something like that, and I'm sitting there going, well, you know, Lord, hmm, Maybe there's been some times you've put me in positions of responsibility. You put me in positions you've wanted me to speak your word. You've wanted me to act like you have and what have I done? I've gone uh, I can't do that. I can't handle that. I'm, you know, I'm insecure. I'm fearful. Maybe I could be there too. We don't want to be there when God Ask us to do something, we want to stand in that and believe. We want to believe that God is doing new things in us and through us and for us. Anyway, continuing on. The angel said to him, Well, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now, Zach, you're going to be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because... You did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why in the world was he so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them, and they realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but he remained unable to speak. And when his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. But she said, the Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. So Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were both righteous. They were both blameless in God's eyes. But Zechariah, he was looking at himself. I thought it was interesting that the angel was on the right side of the altar because I just got done with looking up that believe, and it meant to go to the right hand. I was like, hmm, I wonder wonder if there's anything going on there. So John is filled with the Spirit of God before his birth. This is different than in the Old Testament where the Spirit would come on people, and then they prophesy, and then the Spirit would leave. I didn't remember that John was filled with the Holy Spirit. I didn't remember that also remember maybe some of you haven't seen it And the last words in malachi are that i will send the prophet elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the lord comes and he will what he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to their fathers and now here we have the angel just telling zechariah he just said that john would be the one to do this and that john will bring back many of israel to the Lord God. I also want to note that the angels were talking. That was still the Old Testament because Jesus came, and when Jesus left, he said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit lives in us today, and we hear from the Holy Spirit in us. Now, the angels can do a lot of things. They can protect us, and they can minister to our bodies if we need it, but they don't talk to us, or they shouldn't. We don't listen, <laughs> listen to them with the word. So, When John is born, Zechariah did recover his ability to speak and talk, and he was filled with the Spirit, too, and he did prophesy. The last in Luke 1, verse 80, it says, And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. So now what I want to do, I want to contrast here how Zechariah received and how Mary received. So I'm just going on in the context here. Luke 26 says, so now we're going to talk about Mary. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the same angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. That word highly favored, it means accepted. There's only two times that that's used in the Bible. The other one is in Ephesians and it says we're accepted in the beloved. We're accepted in Christ Jesus. Anyway, the angel says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words, and she wondered what kind of greeting might this be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, well, how can this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her and said, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month for no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. And Mary answered and said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Hallelujah. We, Lord Jesus, all of us are the Lord's servant. May your word to us be fulfilled. She found no inadequacy in herself, or she wasn't too young, or she wasn't married. She said she heard, she believed. And then the angel left her. But what does she do? You know, all of us women... We just want to talk once in a while. <laughs> and the angel had told her that Mary Mary was pregnant. So continuing on in Luke 1, it says, At that time, Mary got ready. What did she do? She got ready. She got ready. She got prepared. <laughs> and she hurried. <laughs> I want to talk. <laughs> she hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and she greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Oh, blessed is she who has believed, who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. So Mary believed the message from Gabriel. She believed and she took the word. She spoke the word. Okay, so that was the birth. I'm going to go on to when John was grown up. And for that, we're going to Mark 1. What I liked about this, again, one of those things that I saw, it says, the beginning of the good news about Jesus. Now, we think about the good news of Jesus. I never thought about John the Baptist being part of that. It says the beginning of the good news. I mean, it makes sense, but I just didn't really, you know, he's kind of one of those guys over there. You know, it's good to read the word because we get ourselves set straight. It says the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, which is in Isaiah 40. It said in Isaiah 40, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so... John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. All? What? All the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins? Didn't the angel say that God was going to make him great? All the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He had a belt. He had maybe truth. Some kind of truth. I don't know if it's our kind of truth. And he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That was because people at that time, they thought he was the Messiah. But he was like, you know, I'm not even good enough to be a slave that ties your shoes. He had some semblance of how great Jesus was. So I thought this was interesting. John was preaching in the wilderness But then he's baptizing in the water. Have you ever felt like you're in the wilderness? (laughs) Have you ever felt like you're in the desert? I looked that up online. I mean, it's mountainous, and it's sandy, and it's dry in the mountains. You know, when we're living in the law, it's dry. (laughs) I thought it was interesting, too, that Jesus went to the wilderness. He was challenged by the devil there. But he won. He had the victory there. It's waterless versus the water, the law versus the living grace. That's kind of what I saw there. And Now, I wanted to look up there what it said in Mark 1, where it says a baptism of repentance. I wanted to look up and see what that meant. And that word meant compunction, which meant guilt. Includes reformation. What was he preaching? Because the root was to think differently. And so I was like, well, to be strong and perfect in your flesh? You know, because he didn't have grace. What was he preaching that everybody was just running out there? (laughs) Feel guilty today. Feel guilty today. (laughs) It wouldn't make me want to come join him, but he was under law. Was John's message liberty to them? Did he lift the burdens? I I mean, I don't quite have it all together there, but the other thing that I saw here, there's a mixture there of law and grace, and mixtures do not work, and that's why his head rolled. (laughs) Our John the Baptist friends, they're in this mixture of law and Jesus. You know, our flesh likes to be perfect. I have friends, they like to be perfect. (laughs) Our flesh likes to have everything, check mark, check mark, check mark, check mark. I did it (laughs) you know doesn't work that way but really guilting and shaming and I have people very close to me you know grandma says I'm so disappointed in you and the kids all have their heads down shamed I I don't see Jesus in that at all and yet that's what they're in that Jesus plus your 10 commandments anyway going on (laughs) i went to another place i went to matthew 3 verses 1 and 2 where john the baptist came preaching in the wilderness saying repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near and that repent did mean to think differently now to think differently that's what we all know Grace says to think differently to reconsider it also rooted to exercise the mind to comprehend i mean he did say look The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Did John get a glimpse of grace, I wonder? Did he think differently? John said, I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that Jesus might be revealed to us, to Israel, to us. And that revealed meant to render apparent, to appear, to manifest. This was the whole reason for John the Baptist, for Jesus to shine, could it be that he saw what happened when he baptized Jesus? You know, that scripture, when he baptized Jesus, you know, God said, this is my beloved son. You know, that's our identity. We are sons of God. And then it said, I forget exactly the wording, but it meant we are approved and in whom I'm well pleased, accepted. That's our identity. We're sons of God, we're approved, and were accepted. Did he see that? Did John see a little bit of that? I thought about Herod. He liked John the Baptist. But, you know, <laughs> after John the Baptist was no more, Herod heard of Jesus and he thought Jesus was John the Baptist resurrected. It sounded the same to him. I don't know what uh, John sounded like there. Anyway, let's leave John. Let's go to Jesus. <laughs> okay, so Let's talk about Jesus for a few minutes. Matthew 4. It says, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. And that's where I was like, wait, hey, they were both in, in the wilderness. You know, you guys have heard of Lobster Fest, you know? Did they have a locust fest out there? <laughs> he ate locusts. I don't know. I was just thinking, you know, <laughs> you know, did they meet up? Did John and Jesus out there, did they meet up? I don't know. Anyway. Something to think about. Okay, further down in Matthew, Matthew 4, verse 12, it says When Jesus heard that John was imprisoned, he went to live in Zebulun and Naphtali to fulfill the scripture in Isaiah. It says, And then Jesus began to preach Think differently, think differently. The kingdom of heaven is near. Think differently. He preached repent it says he preached the same thing that John was doing but the word was think differently John was saying repent get it right in your flesh isn't that what we know now you 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 be perfect but Jesus says I am perfect yeah I need to think differently (laughs) I need to reconsider it is all about what Jesus has done for me it's not about me or my inadequacies think differently Think differently, reconsider, heed the message of grace, hear the message of grace, believe, receive. Jesus has done it all for us. Jesus is for me. Jesus is not mad at me. Or better yet, telling our friends. In the book of Acts, Peter and Paul used the term repent, but that repent meant think differently. God's not mad at you. He loves you. Is this not what our mission is today? Aren't we to be telling the people of the world, think differently, be led by the Spirit, and that Jesus will be revealed to the people that we are in contact with? Going on, I have a few examples here with Jesus. I want to go to Matthew 21, 23 through 27, and it's Jesus' authority being challenged by the chief priest. You know, they were following him around all the time. Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priest and the elders of the people came to him and said, By what authority are you doing these things, Jesus? And who gave you this authority? I love what Jesus replied. He said, I'm going to ask you just one question. If you will answer me, I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism. Where did it come from? Was it from heaven or of human origin? Well, (laughs) they had to discuss this for a little while because they're like, well, let's see. If we say from heaven, then he's going to ask, well, why didn't you believe him? But gosh, if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the people for they really do all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered him, eh? we don't know. And Jesus said, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. You see, they still had the wrong mindset. They were still over here hanging on to the law and hanging on to everything that the flesh could do. And Jesus saw, You haven't changed your mind. They hadn't believed. No hanging on to the precepts of law for us. We don't want to be under the law. That's the old school. We're moving on. We're new creations in Christ Jesus. We are moving with the Spirit of God. You and I. We're not in the stagnant waters. We have the living fountains of water in us, springing forth the Word of God by His grace. Another example: Matthew eleven twenty-eight to twenty-three. Hey, yoke up, <laughs> yoke up. <laughs> yoke up with the thoughts of jesus it says come to me all you who are weary and burdened and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light now i always looked at that as like you know i've seen the horses where they're yoked up there's two yoke and so i was just okay i'm I'm with you, Jesus. (laughs) Or as we say it now, (laughs) I'm not married to Mr. Law anymore. I'm married to Mr. Jesus. That yoke, it was the yoke of thinking, the yoke of the Old Testament thinking. And Jesus is saying, don't think like the law anymore. Think with my yoke. Think the thoughts that I have. Think differently. Think differently. Yoke with grace. Replace the yoke of the law and self-righteousness because grace is easy. Grace is light. Jesus has paid the full price. Matthew 21, verse 18, it's another example. Hey, let's receive. This is my example. Let's receive. Hey, the fig tree. This is referring to self-righteousness. You know, that Adam and Eve thing, you know? They made themselves that wonderful fig leaf robe. Do you remember that? They had their fig leaf robe. woo <laughs> You know, those fig leaves are pretty big. <laughs> you know, we put on our self-righteousness, right? Self-righteousness. This is what he was coming against. We have our fig of self-righteousness to cover ourselves but Jesus was not interested in self-righteousness because there's no fruit there. And Jesus knew he was going to die for our punishment and give us the gift of righteousness, that we have the robe of righteousness. And he says in Matthew 21, early in the morning, as Jesus was on his way to the city, he was hungry. Hey, this is a time of year, figgy pudding. <laughs> figgy pudding. Figgy <laughs> pudding. I have no clue what figgy pudding is, but that came to my mind. I thought it was funny. (laughs) A fig tree, you know, figgy pudding. (laughs) Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but he found nothing on it except leaves. Because again, there's no fruit, because it was a tree of self-righteousness indicating that. He then said to it, may you never bear fruit again. And immediately, wow, immediately the tree withered. And when the disciples saw this, they were amazed. I would be too. How did the fig tree wither so quickly? But Jesus said, truly, I tell you, if you have faith, what is faith? Faith is confidence in Jesus. That is what faith is. And Jesus is saying, if you have confidence in me and you do not doubt, what is doubt? We learned that the last time too. I looked that up. Doubt is separation. We shall not be separated from the love of God. Romans 8 says we will never be separated. So doubt has no place in us. We are one with Jesus. Jesus says, truly I tell you, you have faith and do not doubt. Not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done as we believe. We receive whatever we ask for in prayer. Hallelujah. We believe we receive what we ask for in prayer. We already have it. Jesus has already done it for us. And my last example here today. Think differently. Think differently. (laughs) Let's go to 1 Corinthians 2, verse 10. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? And in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him. But you and I, friends, we have the mind of Christ. We are in Christ Jesus. Everything of his is mine. We have it. We can pray, Lord, reveal it to me how to receive what you have given me. Walk by grace. Rest in him to hear him, his voice. We believe and we receive. Remember the meaning of receive? To take or act, to get hold of. That made me think of Mary in Luke 10. Mary who sat at the feet of Jesus. She sat there to take from him. Now Martha was a little upset with her. Martha was worried because she was trying to do her own little thing there. But grace supplies. When you feel demand, that's the enemy knocking on your door telling you, you got to do, you got to do, you got to do. But grace supplies. He supplies everything for us. Jesus plus nothing is everything. He doesn't need us, He's done everything for us. Jesus is everything. Jesus never condemned people for taking too much. We set ourselves to hear the word of grace, the goodness of God, we believe, we receive. In John 6, Jesus said, this is our work, that we believe in the one whom he has sent, Jesus. When you pray, believe, you receive. And that's my message. I'm going to pray over you, though. (laughs) Thank you, Father God, for this opportunity. Father God, I pray that my brothers and sisters, Father God, that I know Father God that you give each one of us in every situation that we're in that you minister to each and every one of them and Father God help them through the week to meditate on your word and receive what you have for us Father God help us to think differently help us to remember that we walk as sons of God in your image and that we are positioned in you that we are in your favor that we are in your grace that we walk in your authority that In you, we live and move and have our being that will not be sin conscious, but that will be conscious of everything that Jesus has done. Thank you, Father God, that you have given us the gift of righteousness and that you have given us the abundance of grace, the abundance of favor, that we walk in the finished work of Jesus, that we trust you in all things, that truly Jesus Plus, nothing of our flesh is everything. You have accomplished all and you are working out all things, Father God, for our good and for your glory in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Father God, as Pastor Mark and Valerie are traveling back today, that your angels are all around them, Father God, and you bless them, all your blessings, Father God, this week. And we look forward to all coming back next week. and and being reunited with Pastor Mark and Valerie. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.